The global positioning system, what's it done in your life? And music tastes, what were you listening to when you were 13 and 14? Let's, Let's learn, learn a, a thing, thing or two. two. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. It's been, it's been a bit. We've gone back to ASMR mode, which... The classic. I feel like the people enjoy. Something like that. I'll boost that later. Sound effects. Anyway, the reason we're doing this episode, it's um, for you guys, it's going to be the first time hearing it. But for us... We have a high quality time. of standard to attain, and um, this is the best way to get it. So we're going to do an episode that... We did, we didn't like, and now we're redoing. And what's also good is when we do an episode a second time, it normally sounds better anyway. It's not, we didn't like it because, or we didn't, we didn't dislike it because it was a bad episode. We disliked it because of the audio. Yes. The content was, was very good. It was and honestly, a, frankly, I, for, I forget what we talked about. Well, so we might as well just dive right back into it. And Matt, we're talking about GPS. Ooh. You know, I know you didn't drive here today. I didn't drive here today. But when I'm driving around, sometimes, you know, I don't know how to get to, like, Ridge and 18th Street off the top of my head. No, and nowadays, it's on your phone. Pull yeah. it up, right? And that's what's so great. Nowadays, every phone and so many devices have GPS, the global positioning system. But how... The GPS. How does the GPS work? That's a mystery, and none of us think about it. It's taken for granted. Just every phone has a GPS. It's like, oh, knows where I am. Cool, I'm gonna go there. I feel. How does it work? People are so reliant on it these days that they almost—that's their sole means of like getting around. Like they have to use the GPS. Imagine if the GPS failed. You revert to maps. 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 Could you imagine the humanity of using a map? But what's great is the GPS exists. But let's go back to the GPS's humble beginnings. The Global Positioning System, the GPS, GPS. Uh, to give it a definition, is a network about 30 satellites orbiting Earth at an altitude of 20,000 kilometers. Uh, the system was originally developed by the U.S. government for military navigation, but now we all use it open source. Wow. Uh, it's used through sat-nav, mobile phones, handheld GPS devices, and it can also receive and transmit radio signals. From satellite broadcasts yeah satellites do it all so the way the GPS works is wherever you are on the planet at least four GPS satellites are pinpointed on your location and at least four at, at one least time. four so when you open Google Maps on your phone four giant things up in the atmosphere are looking at you yes that's pretty good they're they're in sight they don't wrap around the earth right that means there's like four in that span of sight their orbits are in a way that each each satellite goes around and at least four have a visible sight to where you are in the world. Gotcha. And that's a minimum. Normally, like around the U.S., you'll get hit with at least 11 or 12. I was going to say, there's a lot of, not junk up there, but there's a lot of junk up there in space. Yeah. A lot of satellites. Not just U.S., right? No, there's all at, sorts of yeah. satellites. But the GPS is solely a U.S. project. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Military. Yes. But how, like, how do, how are they so good? How can they pinpoint where you are? Well, by using good old math. Math. Tri trigonometry, in a way? Yes, it yeah. is actually a form of trigonometry. So what it is, is each satellite transmits information 
from its current time at regular intervals. And when these signals are picked up by, they're traveling the speed of light, but there's enough time that shifts in it that we can pick up that these signals can find out how long a signal takes to bounce. And then these pings, right? Yeah. It pings signals. Which then your GPS receiver can do the math and be like, all right, it took this long for these pings to get to me, which means I'm this many miles away from this satellite, this many miles away from that satellite, and this many miles away from the third satellite and the fourth satellite. And through that, it can tell you, you are right there. Like right within like maybe like a five yard radius, right? Like diameter. Yeah. Yeah. Currently, it's around like 10 feet. 10 feet. Okay. But there's plans to get down to an arm's length away. Do you think having more satellites makes that more precise? More precise and also more modern day satellites because this Better whole imaging, right? yeah, this whole GPS game, this started all around the Cold War. We were sending satellites into space. Sputnik was one of the first satellite to be sent up and sent signals down to Earth. In a sense, that's rudimentary a GPS satellite. In it, yeah, and in a way, even though it wasn't showing where humans were relative to the satellite it was showing where the satellite was relative to the humans it was kind of reverse gps right yeah they because, could tell where the satellite was in orbit around the earth and yeah. that used another like way to read signals called the doppler effect which oh, measures like physics how, yeah how much time how much compression there is in a waveform mm-hmm. to show how fast something is if it's moving away from you or moving towards you yeah so once the 70s hit we then we got the not us but the department of defense they wanted to be able to track their nuclear submarines of course because when you have nukes on the earth you kind of want to know where they all are you don't want to lose one. you don't want to lose a nuke it's, it's happened before though it has we'll get into that some other time <laughs> but they wanted a more robust system so they could also track their troops and their ships think of it like that big board Back in the day that they were moving their wooden pieces across the map. Yeah, like shuffleboard almost. Yeah. Like they, there's a battleship that they push across. Yeah, that's true. They wanted something more precise, obviously, than moving wooden pieces across a board. They wanted blinking lights. So the GPS satellite was born from this movement, and it fully became operational in 1993. Course. Is when it was completely operational. All the satellites were people up. are just getting their hands on computer technology. It's becoming more accessible year by year. Yeah, the and GPS is there. And talking wow. year by year, hopefully by 2024 is when they're aiming to get that arms arms length distance away. They're pretty darn close now. And they it's are. it's a important for a lot of things. And there's a lot of like not the military, but the civilian a lot of civilian uses for it. But also the military, the more precision they have when it comes to what they do, sometimes it's more better if they're an arm's length away than just a general area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So also what's wild is these satellites are a lot more than just tracking for the military. What they do is they they keep track of time. Each satellite okay. is rocking an atomic clock. Up, up in the atmosphere. Yes. Not gravitational, hasn't really affected it that much. It's a pretty precision clock, right? Yes. And well, the reason they have their own clocks is because if they were to set a clock on Earth and then send it up, due to time and space, the time in the satellite would have been warped. 
Yeah, that's right. They, they say that time when you're an astronaut in, say, the International Space Station, you time travel essentially by a split second, right? Yeah, just a little bit. But yeah. that little bit when it comes to pinpoint precision using speed of light to calculate your location. Changes time pretty drastically, right? Yeah, so the, all these satellites, they all rock atomic clocks. So they're all in sync with one another. Like yes. Times are exactly the same in space. And wow. what's wild is these atomic clocks are considered the most accurate clocks in existence that many services on Earth utilize. Okay. Yeah. So wow. some things are military times are based off the satellites times and also the 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 stock market their time is yeah. based off the satellites time because it's very accurate when it comes to trading stocks and the economy moving. Yeah. They want that time to be exact as possible so they use the GPS satellites to do this. Stocks are interesting. A lot of technology throughout the 90s into the early 2000s pushed stock trading day trading exponentially they couldn't do algorithms before that because it was all they would write slips on paper they would literally hand it to people when technology could process a million different transactions at once with this time and everything falls into its categorized space you know within trading that's when the stock market became like its modern translation yeah it's crazy and, we and couldn't do that without the clock you know the precision clock no and you know what that's just some of the amazing things about these satellites and the, we are still sending newer versions up today right now we're in the process of sending mark three yeah which is the more precision and the better accuracy and the better timing is all going up now i think if you translate technology in terms of like smartphones yeah 10 years ago first iphone well almost 11 now 10 years later we have crazy iPhones with crazy cameras, super high megapixel, and such a small form factor. If you translate that into professional companies researching optics and sensors in satellites that are billions of dollars being put into these projects, the technology is going to enhance greatly, right? So yeah. each time they put up a satellite, the technology has pretty darn good sensors on it, right? Everything increases exponentially. And when it comes into the conversation of technology, Things are skyrocketing, and they're going at a breakneck pace. Breakneck, I like that. So We're going to die. The GPS, it gets us around. I I personally, I think it's a great invention. It's I forget how much I rely on it. When I go somewhere, sometimes it's just habit to plug it in. Waze, you know, Google Maps. It, Never Apple Maps, sorry. It helps. You know, it really gets us around in the time we need. Apple Maps sometimes is just really obnoxious. I'll tell you, Google Maps had a glitch a couple months ago. I was heading to Fuddruckers to get a burger. Understandable. In, in Delaware. It's a very far drive, but it was worth it. Fuddruckers is very good. I was going to Fuddruckers on the way home, plugged in Google Maps, plugged in my address, blah, 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 dot 18, dot, 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 street name. It started taking me the right direction, and then all of a sudden it told me to get off an exit. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. I don't trust it. it told me to get off. I crossed a river into New Jersey. And I went to nearly central Jersey, and I was nighttime. I should have been more aware. I had a bad feeling. It took me completely the wrong direction through two tolls, and I didn't have any settings set to avoid tolls, avoid highways. It was literally taking me into the middle of New Jersey, then over. I wonder if the government had something behind it. Were they collecting data? What I'm happened, Thomas? Why, why did it tell me to go that way? Well, uh, construction? I don't think so. I drove like half an hour before. There's no construction. It could have been, but that's also an issue I had once is my home address. There was another 
Uh oh. Address. Different state. Different state. Jersey. And for a while, it would default. Oh no. To the one over there. Oh no. So normally, I'll see the travel time and be like, "That's not right." Wow. That's too far. Yeah. So I'll have to go and I'll have to put in my uh, zip code to get the exact location of where I need to go. I'd put in like a local restaurant that you know is close to your house or something, just so you can get to an area where that's what I do GPS for. I get to an area where I know I can drive. Yeah. I can focus on. Normally, once I hit something like even 95, once I'm on 95, I'm like, oh, I'm here. I can get anywhere. The other, you know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to New York or you're going to DC. But that just shows that we we really trust in, in GPSs, you know? To get us where, because we don't know what routes to take. We don't know what all the roads. That's too much for the brain to memorize. GPS is live, real-time navigation through whatever. But I also think, I don't think I can trust myself with a map. I don't think I'm that good. It's all about picking out landmarks and knowing curves. Like, okay, I took a slight right curve on 476 back there, and I know there's only this many curves like that on the map. And then you have to be like, okay, it's probably here. Then you have to read the mile marker, blah, blah, blah. Do a little some trying to bring your your ruler out, you know your compass. <laughs> Candle get light the pen out. You start circling things. St- a string, all the classic navigation skills. I guess that's why people didn't drive at night. You know, you couldn't. Yeah. GP- Think about it. Triangulation, like satellites, was a thing from stars. Satellites are essentially stars for you know Christopher Columbus, all those settlers that were coming to the new world. They triangulated using stars. Yeah. So in a and sense, sextants and, and all those tools. That's pretty cool. Have you ever tried to use the sextant? No, I, I don't know how to use it. It's Is um, it a telescope with kind of a... Well, on the list of items that if you were to be shipwrecked on an island, the list of items that Sh- you would not use. want is a sextant because you would not want because no one knows how to use it these days. Oh, and it would, but if you could use it effectively, would would it save you? You think? Possibly, but there's multiple parts involved. You need a telescope and the sextant, and I think you need a star chart or something. Yeah. Multiple parts. Yeah, because if you don't know the stars, then what's the point? I'll stick with the GPS. But yeah. <laughs> that's what I got for GPSs, Matt. Wow. Um, don't take it for granted. It's it's a it's very good. important, crucial tool that we are very fortunate to have in modern times when we need it with all this crazy road work out there. Avoid it traffic. is nice. It is nice to avoid traffic using that. Not only finding time to get to a place, but also the routes and traffic is also a big factor. Yeah. I know Waze uses user input to get that data. Historic traffic data from the government is presented to Google Maps, Apple Maps, so they can read what times are bad in the in the day for, for intersections. I mean for traffic I've, buildups. I've driven through red zones of traffic. And there's nothing. And there's nothing. Me too. Me too. So that's it's because not perfect. it's all predicted. It's predicted, yeah. but it's not perfect. It's not real time. I think eventually we're going to see real time. We're going to see live video feed eventually. One day. Scary. That's but that, yeah, that's pretty stuff. scary. That's too much information. TMI. Too much. Let, we should calm it down in that regard, and we should move on to whatever our next topic is. Okay. Thomas, I have something to teach you today. Again, you remember a little bit of it. I remember a little bit of it. We're going to learn a lot about it. How about that? That's fair. We'll work together on this one. So my question for you, is our current music taste a translation of what we were listening to at age 13 and 14? Is that why music, new age music, pop popular music is so bad to us? Well, I don't know. Are you a fan of pop music? I, I guess that's a better question to start with. Um, 
Not too much, but I also have theories that have shown up in my mind since we've recorded this. Okay, good. About That's specific aspect about, about yeah, yeah, about specific artists, but we'll get into it later. Okay, this 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 episode was inspired by a YouTube video by Adam Neely. Um, he researched behind this through his personal experience of why music was so bad, and he goes into a historical context. So, for example, I want to go into a little history of it. Back in the 1900s, the Beatles came out. Huge. Biggest rock band of all time, arguable, but everybody knows of the Beatles. Am I right? Yeah. People hated the Beatles when they came out. The Los Angeles Times called the Beatles playing on the Ed Sullivan show an assault on society. It was a disgrace to what music was. It was raucous, rebellious, too loud. The Boston Globe wrote that the Beatles are not merely... Um, they're so unbelievably hard, so appallingly unmusical, so dogmatically insensitive to the magic of the art that they qualify as crowned heads of anti-music, a generation earlier jazz. Oh, crowned heads of anti-music. People hated the Beatles when they came out. But the Beatles are great. Taking it back, jazz music. Is there anything wrong with jazz music? People thought that was the equivalent of that hard dogmatic approach of the Beatles when they first were introducing their music to uh, North America. Right, the ja jazz was... The jazz age, the jazz era, it's its own time period. That was rebellion, that was young people stepping up and saying, no, we're doing this, we're dancing, we're gonna go out and drink until 8 p.m. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Hard. It, it was a different time. It was a completely different time. That translates directly to now. So jazz to real music, um, is the equivalent of kind of pop to real music now. I don't like pop music that much. It doesn't appeal to me as much as, say, something I listened to in the past. I want to get into what we listened to, to in the past and why we think that's the best. So your taste in music as an adult is not fully governed by objective qualities, and then the music itself, rather, is heavily governed by your biographic information of who you are when you are born. So here's some data. Spotify data reveals that adult musical preferences are most influenced by childhood listening habits around the ages of 13 to 14. At that age, there happens to be a strong correlation between popularity of songs in terms of number of Spotify plays when they're released and the current age of the listeners. So I'm going to give you two examples here. 1994, um, Janet Jackson released um, That's the Way Love Goes. So 35-year-olds listen to that song now. If, okay. you, if you do the math. That's when they were 13 and 14. Another example, 1970, Van Morrison released um, um, women, um, Crazy Love, and it was popular among 63-year-old men. And that's exactly when they were like 13, 14. I can see it in my dad. That's what he listened to. He, he can give me these scenarios like, yeah, I was at my friend Bobby's house when I first heard that song. So the, rate, the, the reason that music sticks with you is because those are the most formative years. Those are pubertal growth hormones, making everyone experience everything so much more vividly. You're reaching a point of our cognitive development that when we're developing our own music taste and, and um, styles, it becomes a badge of identity at 13, 14. The amount of dopamine being released is the equivalent to doing cocaine at any other phase in your life. So when you listen to music at 13, 14, you're essentially doing drugs. It sticks with you that much. There's such a release. That's why our angst periods come through 13, 14, you know, end of middle school, early high school. That's where you identify yourself. So my question for you is what were you listening to at age 13 and 14? So and I know you've thought about this. Age 13, 14, I think it was a lot of, it was 
going into high school, eighth, like eighth grade and going into high school, which was a time freshman year. So it was a lot of actually, it's a lot of stuff I listened to today is when I started first listening to Death Cab for Cutie and really getting into all those like indie bands of like that similar sound. And you still love that music, right? Yeah. I, um, they're, you would never turn it off if you heard it, right? No, it's like my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. The go-to that's, that's a good way of putting it. I was listening to a lot of alternative music like came in man. I didn't listen to like a lot of rock. I was listening to a lot of ska then. Ska? It was Some just ska. good <laughs> guitar music. Any music with a lot of pr like prominent guitar was what I was into. And I, you know, I picked up guitar then around then and I kept playing and that's what I'm into. I still love it. Death Cab, all the indie music scene. That was more alternative into indie. I yeah. agree. That was completely what I'm listening to. I won't turn it off now. So one thing I want to do research since is there's there's artists that at the time of we were 13 are now getting big right now like they're kind of peaking right now and artists that come to mind are uh ariana grande when we were younger she was in a show victorious correct yeah yeah and i think that lines up to the point of like that was when we were first introduced to her as a person and now that she's bigger like coming out with hits left and right that age, I think, lines up to our generation being big fans of Ariana Grande. Our generation Grande. is quite a defining generation at this point because we're at that young adult phase, I think, in yeah. pop culture. We kind of de define and set trends now. And because we had that tie when we were 13, 14, and here we are now, and she's still a huge star, we're kind of the reason of that, I guess. A lot of things are lining up to our generations because – this is what a lot of this is we are in the demographic that a lot of companies aim to please the 20 to, to like the 18 to 25 range yeah that's that's a very specific range i and, feel it as a 20 year old yeah, yeah it's that's what they aim to do and i'd say that for the next couple of years we're going to see things that are going to line with our interests and i mean i won't complain they're playing to my needs yeah, yeah, they're catering directly to us. They want to appeal. They also, it's advertising directly toward us. Money, you know. Right. But we tend to remember things that have an emotional component, such as like early 13, 14. We were watching Nickelodeon. That show is like what you watch after school, you know. Ariana Grande sticks with you. She's a funny character. Then you're like, oh, she's still relevant through modern times. That's because our amygdala and neurotransmitters act in concert to tag those memories. It's kind of... Ariana is ingrained in your brain, whether you like it or not. If you watch that when you're 13 and 14, she's in there. And right. that's why she's still very relevant to us today. It kind of happened perfectly. Even like I was Miley thinking, Cyrus. Yeah, Miley Cyrus yeah. is the next one I was thinking of. There were some bad phases, but people still like, she comes up because she's relevant, you know? And I feel that there's a lot of those characters that when we were younger, it was the shows and then moving on, it's now the music. Yeah. I feel like there's a couple people. I mean, I don't think Demi Lovato is that big anymore. Not anymore, but she was. She, she was. She kind of pushed that almost heavy superstar after the fact of that kind of child star development through yeah, a, Disney or Nickelodeon. All the child stars are now growing up and now they are the new biggest stars. Ariana yeah. is like the biggest pop star. Um, well, I was wondering if Justin Bieber all of a sudden is going to be this 
this guy that people listen to later because they were big fans when they were kids. Justin Bieber has a huge following. Right now he's in the low, I guess. I don't know. I don't uh, follow Justin Bieber. But I know like last year I think there was something that came or two years ago. It's probably gonna be something similar. I don't know any albums that he's come out with recently, but I know he's um he's done some like featured songs. Yeah, and, and he's relevant and he's not put down because people that's what they remember when he came up. Yeah, I mean I guess he, he just had a number one song with uh DJ Khaled on like yeah. a featured thing. I think it's in my my head or something. I don't know. I'm trying to think of that. But I mean what came out two years ago by him. All I remember is one time, one time, one time that whatever that Justin Bieber song is. Way back. Yeah. That, that was early that's one. that's early. <laughs> I want to say, when we hear music, now this is something that could be relevant to you. The first time you hear a song that, that sticks out to you, you remember. Are there any points in your life where you're like in a car and you heard a song and you, you will never forget that moment? Yeah, uh, unwritten on long car drives down to Virginia while reading the Bones comic books. Really? Yes. That was very specific, Thomas. That's exactly what I was looking for. You won't, you'll remember that way more than the 30th time you hear that song. Yeah. Because that's just like that visceral experience in the moment. I feel like each song, each like summer has a playlist. Yeah, absolutely. And like that summer was that playlist. Because yeah. I was reading those books and it was songs on my MP3 player that include like unwritten, specifically unwritten. I, I don't know why it's that one, but like that's the one that comes to mind. Super hardcore. Yeah. Me, Stadium Arcadium, Humpty Bump, Humpty Bump in um, my friend's basement at his old house. He made a skate park and we were rollerblading to hump they bump by the Red Hot Chili Peppers on Stadium Arcadium. Also, after my band played its first show while we were cleaning up or setting up, it was one of those Dremamine by Modest Mouse was playing. And literally, I can close my eyes and I can hear it perfectly and visualize that scene. So, so I guess that's the cocaine. There was cocaine in those moments. Yeah, there's cocaine feels. <laughs> so when you're looking, um, my last point here. People who are older, who, who might have dementia and Alzheimer's, they can hear music and it can take them right back. I actually, it's so funny. I just was talking with um, a coworker of mine yesterday and she said her grandmother has Alzheimer's and she's out of it in the modern times. But if you play music, she loves dancing. She'll, She'll remember when back. she was a, a kid listening to music. She'll sing every word to it, even though she can't recite the date, you know? interesting but heartbreaking but like it's heartbreaking it's, but it's 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 hopeful there's videos of old people just like old folks homes they play their classic music and it makes them happy and that's joy you know yeah it's that release they're essentially giving old people cocaine look at that what's wrong with that yeah, happy it's vibes music. yeah, yeah. no and complaints music is addictive it is like like anything can be addictive looking at this is the time of the spotify review of going through all your songs in the past first i learned i didn't listen to too much music this this year. Really? Oh, yeah. The Spotify data is brilliant. I love that. Some of it, I question. I'm like, huh, the, the Taste Breakers playlist, did you pull up? Some of it was like, what the heck? Yeah, it, it was okay. But also, um... Oh, the computer. I like where this conversation's going. Yeah, it's a little long. Well, it was recording while we were moving stuff around. Excellent. Um... Yeah, a little tangent of um, that whole Spotify thing is I realized, yeah, I don't listen to too much music. 
this school year. I at least based I did on the hours. Yeah, based yeah. on the hours, I um I only minutes, I, I only did eleven thousand hours of music this year. I was like twenty seven thousand. Was it minutes or hours? It's, I think it's minutes. I think it's. I think it might be hours. Whatever that value is. Yeah. So it wasn't as much. Interesting. No. But because you were busy. No, it's because I preferred I listen to podcasts more. I think that's cool. That's really cool. Oh, it gave you pod- podcast data. I said my favorite was uh, Two Top. Two Top. It's a my favorite podcast were Two Top and Ninety Nine Percent. Oh, Two Top for me and um, Couples Therapy. Couples Therapy by Kaden. And then Mark Marin was probably my next. I but I felt like I listened to a lot of music, but then I was sitting next to friends and like my one friend, he listens to music all the time. Like sixty thousand hours. It's a lot. But There's like all the time, they just always have music on. Yeah, but like I looked at like my top, <coughs> my top songs for this year, and I'm seeing songs like I started listening to that last week. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I don't, and like looking at the top 100 songs, like I'm getting hit with stuff. It's like, wow, I really got. I guess I really didn't listen to too much stuff. What was the oldest song? I like that stat. That's my, very cool. My oldest song, I think, was a song from the 40s. Like. I think, I think at dinner once my phone was used to put on like some nice cool like dinner music. Oh, and something from the forties came up. That's yeah, really cool. I think it was a jazz like a jazz song came up, like wow. an old jazz song. Wow. I was like, mine I was, don't remember playing that at all. Mine was nineteen fifty something. Johnny Cash. That's a good song. To have. That's a good good old song to have. My dad and I like that song. That's a good song. Anyway, yeah, the data is so interesting, and you know what? One of those artists in your music was probably an artist you listened to when you were 13 and 14 because at that's least once or it twice it sticks with you yeah it sticks with you so think about it think about your tastes what is your cocaine what artist really sticks to you what genre doesn't even have to be an artist so what like, were you listening to at age 13 14 ask yourself and then put it on yeah think back see if it takes you back to a different time next time most- you're Next time you're in the car, you plug in your GPS to where you're going and just pull on whatever you're listening to. Just drive and listen. Yeah, go on a little drive. Back. Just type in a random address, see where it takes you. In New Jersey. Yeah, you'll end up in Jersey. Yeah, something about that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Two Top. Yeah, we'll catch you next week for another Two Topics. See ya. See ya. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosevere. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.